Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. I'm with Andy Shea. Ross will be with us a little bit later. Andrew P., how are you doing today, sir? Outstanding, Jim. How are you? Very good, very good. We're getting closer and closer to Penn State football. Camp opened this week, which is great news. We'll hit that in the news. But first little element I want to hit on the news front, Andy, is some national news. With The NCAA seems to be considering some changes to their uh, transfer portal rules. I don't think anyone has a problem with... Uh, updates, changes to that. <laughs> and the two two things they're looking into, one is having, instead of it wide open any day of the year, having a couple windows after, say, the regular season, after the spring, where the uh, transfers could happen, I think that makes a lot of sense. Teams will get a better feel for what they're dealing with. The other option that they're batting around, and at least they put on on the back burner at the very least was the idea currently it's players get one free transfer if they want to do a second transfer they either have to sit out a year or get a special dispensation and they've at least tabled that for a while my question is why in the world would they want to offer that yeah i i don't quite know why they would I, I think the they the what was put before them was to eliminate completely eliminate the one transfer rule. They they just didn't table something that was like procedural. They put before them before the board of directors was to vote to eliminate the one time transfer rule. That basically makes the wild wild west the wild wild continent. I mean, that's that one was. Uh, um, I think was smart because you have to have some borders and some barriers in place to help this. I mean, I, I think the, the additional work they were talking about that they needed done is on the, on the time periods for when they're going to have windows of opportunity for the transfer portal. That's actually putting barriers in place. So I, I think they were all smart decisions and I am particularly shocked that they had to table the, that it was brought before them to eliminate the one transfer rule. And I, I can't see any advantages to that, to an endless stream of you have no consequences or no actions. You can transfer as much as you want. I, I, I see how that kind of freedom, after the freedoms that have already been granted, how that can be productive for the overall sport and the game in any way, shape, and form. Just my two cents, Jim. Well, I could see the players wanting it. I can't see, you know, the NCAA and the schools wanting that for the players to have that freedom. So I, I don't get that either. Uh, one other quick news item, Andy. Um, as we all know, Penn State had one quarterback recruit for the class of 23. That was Marcus Stokes, who decommitted. Um, it, going to school in his home state down in Florida. 
so Penn State is without a quarterback in a very good recruiting class, class of 23. They had their lash bash. They did have a quarterback by the name of Jackson Smolik. He's currently committed to Tulane, has been since I think in June. They put out an offer to him. I guess my question here, Andy, is more, do they need a quarterback? Forget about how good a quarterback. Do they just need a quarterback in the class of 23 for depth purposes even? Yeah, you have You have to. It's almost like, oh, I hate to say it. It's almost like fishing, like you have to have live bait. I mean, to say about quarterbacks in the current climate of college football, you almost can't. It's almost a, a position that you have to continually recruit and recruit multiple players and see how many you can get. I mean, your intention could be, it used to be you couldn't say, well, we're going to take one quarterback or we're going to take two quarterbacks. I, I don't know, Jimmy. It just feels to me like you can't have enough quarterbacks and you can't have enough lines in the water to try and get quarterbacks to commit to you because as much as it changes and shifts, that's gone on in the last three to five years with that position in the sport, it's you, you can't stop recruiting quarterbacks ever as a major college football program because the volatility of it and the turnover is just too, you know, white hot and too prevalent. It just, it just happens. Other than QB1s, other than the guy that's designated as the quarterback one and the starter, Right now, everything else is open season, and, and guys can transfer. Guys can, you know, they can decommit if they're, if they're recruits still. It's, um, it is a position that Penn State, they had to go back to basics on after the, uh, after the decommitment went to Florida, but they went back to ground zero and are like, okay, we're going to start again because we need to get, you know, more bodies in, in, in line to, to see how many quarterbacks or if we can even get a quarterback. But do they need one? Yes, you you need to keep recruiting that position is my answer to your question. And they have to anticipate what could potentially go wrong next year. Currently, they have four quarterbacks, the super senior and Sean Clifford, who was done after this season, leaves you with three quarterbacks, Vayu, Aller, Prabula. Who's to say that one of them, or dare I say even two of them, could transfer next spring? You know, I'm not predicting that, but anyway, you've you got to be prepared for that kind of thing to happen, Andy. And you could end up with one or even only two quarterbacks on your roster very, very easily going into next year. So, yes, they minimum need a quarterback. This is what it's going to look like next year, Jimmy. This is the reality of what it is. There is going to be a lively and active uh, position battle for the QB1 role in Penn, at Penn State in 2023. The quarterback that wins that, the one who wins that battle, will be Penn State's quarterback. Anybody else who was in, in that battle immediately becomes a candidate to leave, transfer, or look for another opportunity for themselves to be a quarterback one. Does that mean they're going to – I'm not saying they're going to do it, but I'm saying that's the expectation you should have. That's the expectation you should have now. If they don't win the starting job, then they're going to look for another opportunity for themselves. 
that is just the way it's going at quarterback. I'm not saying it's that they're I'm not addressing it as people. I'm just saying that is a general expectation to have. And Andy, you gotta hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Let's right. get back to the fact that training camp has begun this week. I'm curious as to what stories you are looking for in training camp. One of the things, though, that first that intrigued me, Andy, and I hadn't thought about it this way, but how many players, if you combine the players coming off injury or through the transfer portal coming in, it's a significant number of players. Adisa Isaac, P.J. Mustafer, Akeem Beeman coming back from whatever, Sal Warmly coming back from injury, Norzad coming in the transfer portal on the offensive line, Chop Robinson coming in at defensive end as, as a transfer, and we sometimes forget Mitchell Tinsley, the wide receiver, coming in as a, a, a transfer. That fascinates me that there's that many players coming in who were not with the team last season. Uh, throw the freshmen in there. Throw a few freshmen in there, Jimmy. James Franklin has said it. Some of these players are going to have opportunity to contribute to what we do sooner than later. Throw the tra- throw a few freshmen in there. You know, throw Nick Singleton in there. Throw Danny. Den- you know, throw the defensive end guys in there. Put three or four freshmen in there, and you've got a dozen. You've got twelve players that I think could possibly be significant consistent or major contributors to Penn State in 2022. That's a really high number, but it's also a a very intriguing number because there's some really high-end players there. We already know that from what we've seen and what we know of them, but I call it a dozen. I'm like, it is, Penn State's got roughly a dozen sort of transition players that they will be looking at and evaluating, and I argue that Probably, in my mind, seven, eight, maybe even up to nine of them could be starters slash contributors this season. What's your take on the players coming in, though, specifically off of injury? Defensive line, you've got Adisa Isaac, P.J. Mustafer, um, Akeem Beeman, not an injury, or we don't know what it was, but that's three players who could get significant time on the defensive line who weren't in the lineup last year. I know P.J. Mustafer was halfway through the season, but he, too, is coming off of injury. So, I don't, I know, we know what P.J. Mustafer can do, and B.J. Mustafer has declared himself healthy and recovered, and, you know, he ate like a ton at Big Ten Media Days to celebrate passing his final Penn State conditioning test. So, I think that one is sort of, I take that one away, because I know, you know exactly what you're going to get from P.J. Mustafer, and when a player with that much experience and who knows what he's doing has that sort of quiet confidence about where he's at, don't expect his, expect his play to, to equal that. The question mark for me, the guy I wonder about, is Adisa Isaac, right? Like, he's been gone a long time. We didn't, You didn't have a big window of opportunity to see him play. You knew that he has some high-end talent and skills in his toolbox, but how much is that, you know... 18 months without playing the game, basically, how much is that going to impact him and what's he got going for him? Because we don't have a large sample size to work with. Very, very curious about him. He's really high on my um, curiosity scale. I think Hakeem, you know, 
I think Hakeem Beeman, whatever the reason was he didn't play last fall, I think he's got some work to do because I think guys have maybe passed him a little bit on the inside defensive tackle, and he's got to fight for some playing time again. So that, you know, Adisa Isaac is my biggest guy that I'm going to be keeping an eye on through training camp and, and into the early part of the season to see what he's got cooking. Uh, I'm curious about that whole defensive line. Like I said, I, I still have some questions about P.J. Mustafer being ready, along with Akeem Beam in that tackle. And at defensive end, you got both Adiza Isaac and not an injury, but a transfer in in Chop Robinson. That makes that whole defensive line very, very interesting with that new mix. They lost a lot. They also brought in a lot. All right, Andy, that is it for quarter number one. We'll see you back in quarter number four. But first up, we're going to have Ross Tucker in. Stay tuned for that. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, Local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. It's quarter number two. That means we welcome in Ross Tucker. Ross, my good friend, how are you doing today? Jim, I am great. Always good to talk with you. Always good to talk Penn State football. And we are getting, Ross, to that point where we're talking like previews of the season. What I thought we could do this week and next is take a look at each side of the ball for Penn State. Start with the offense this week. Get the defense next week. I know our listeners are dying to hear from you what your thoughts are going into the season. 
starting on the offensive side, it's amazing to me. Penn State must be the only team in the country when you start to talk about the team, you talk about the offense, you start at the offensive line, not with the skill positions. So that's where I'd like to start. That's where your expertise is, Ross. But before you give us the analysis of the offensive line, as a former offensive lineman, does it bother you that the other positions are called the skill positions? <laughs> um, I hear that a lot. And no, it doesn't, just because I guess I'm used to it. What's comical about it, though, I guess, is that on some level, it infers that offensive linemen are not skilled or that you don't need skill to be an offensive lineman and nothing I can assure you could be further from the truth. In fact, as you get to the college level and then certainly the NFL level, your skill, you know, your ability to use your hands and your feet and to be skilled with the way in which you use them and your movements is really the differentiator and the separator between different players. So um, I think you, you'd have a tough time arguing or convincing me that what the offensive line does is not as skilled. I mean, it's certainly more skilled than what a running back does. I mean, a running back gets handed the ball and then runs with it. You know, there, there's – and look, there's details – and there's skills involved in every position, but I would argue I could go down the line and argue that um, the skill it takes to play offensive line is greater than the skill it takes at a, at a number of other positions, quite frankly. And I think just the fact that you could have a true freshman running back come in and play right away, you don't often see that with the offensive line. Let, let's get to the Penn State offensive line. Theoretically, Ross, four out of the five positions are going to be new this year. Uh, Juice Scruggs is just moving from guard to center, but four out of five are new. Are you the glass half full or glass half empty that there's only one returning player, or is the glass half full that there is change at almost every position? So I would say I'm glass half full. And I would say that I don't have great logic for this, Jim, other than you have to bear with me on this. It feels like every year that we think Penn State has a lot back on the offensive line and that the offensive line is going to be a strength that they disappoint us. And every year that we're concerned and they're breaking in a bunch of new guys that they exceed expectations. Don't ask me why or how that happens, but it certainly feels like that's the case for whatever reason, and it's something I've noticed and continue to notice with Penn State. So I'm going to be half full. Um, I think Fashanu's going to step up at left tackle. I think Norzad is going to be better than Eric Wilson was at guard. Um I think Scruggs is going to be better at center than what they had a year ago. And I don't think Caden Wallace is going to be worse. So in my mind, you have at least four positions there 
where I think they're going to be better. And we'll see how the other guard spot sorts out. But I do think Penn State will be better on the offensive line this year. I think the real question is sort of how much better, right? That that's Are they serviceable? Are they a positive factor? They certainly can't be a negative factor again. And the one guy you didn't mention was Tangwall, who I think will also be very good. I think it could conceivably be five out of five better this year than a year ago. The other big question mark when we talk offense, it's got to be Sean Clifford. I say the, he's the only guy who could be around as many years as he has been, and I've been guilty of saying this. You know what you got with him. I don't think you do. After all these years, I still don't feel like we know what we're going to get with Sean Clifford. What are you looking for from him, Ross, that will indicate to you that he's reached the next level, whether it's for consistency or whatever, but that he'll be a better quarterback than he has been, uh, say, the last two years? So I guess if you said to me, what, what do I expect from him? I guess I would say I think he's sort of consistently inconsistent. Um, you know, there are times, like the Ohio State game, I thought he played very well. You know, there are games where he plays very well and gives Penn State a great chance to win. And then there are other games, and, and maybe the Illinois game, he came back too early from injury or whatever, where he just makes mistakes that it's it's hard it's hard to see how he makes some of those mistakes and how he plays that way at times. So I don't really – he has a large enough sample size that it's hard to really picture it being any different. Now, maybe with Mitchell Tinsley and, and maybe with another year under Yursich, he'll be in a better spot. Maybe that'll help him. Maybe if the offensive line's better, they can run the ball better. That'll help him. But – you know, they lost a first-round pick wide receiver. You know, I mean, they lost Jahan Dotson. And as much as I like Parker Washington, I don't think he's a first-round pick receiver. So it's hard for me to sit here and think Clifford will have a better year when, you know, he lost a guy like Dotson who was just such a dominant, dominant player. So they what they really need is, and we've talked about this a lot, they need to run the ball better. And... That would help everybody. They need the offensive line needs to play better. They need to run the ball better, and that would help everybody. Sean, Sean Clifford included. Let's talk about that running game a bit. Obviously, it needs some, needs more help from the offensive line than it got last year, but it got a really big help bolstered in the running back room when you bring in a guy like Nick Singleton. Everyone in Nittany Nation is thrilled about it, excited to see him, Ross. What can we expect from Nick Singleton, though, as a true freshman? Can he be a difference maker right out of the gate? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that I would expect that. I think that that's probably a little bit too much to expect for him to be a difference maker. I think you can probably expect him to be a contributor, And I think that there's a chance that he'll be a difference maker as a freshman. But that's a lot, man. I mean, you know, he's still just a true freshman. And 
as good as he is and as high as the hopes are for him, you know, it, it's still rare. I mean, how many true freshmen, Jim, can you think of or can you name for Penn State that were truly difference makers over the last 30 years? I can't think of very many. I really can't. I mean, obviously Saquon was a major contributor. I don't know. Was he a difference maker as a true freshman? I guess the second half of the year he probably was. Um, LeVar Arrington didn't even start as a true freshman. You know, it's like uh, there haven't been that many that I can think of. And I'm sure I'm missing somebody. And people can hit me up on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL or whatever. Just email me over at RossTucker.com. But I can't think of very many, Jim, very many true freshmen that really were difference makers for Penn State. It's hard. How do you, as a coach, ease him into the system, Ross? Now, I know a variable is you give Keevon Lee first shot and he, you know, just blows up. That will change how you work with Nick Singleton. But you brought up LeVar Arrington, the way they did it with him as a freshman. He didn't start, but I think he ended up taking the most um, snaps, leading the team in tackles. So what is the process of easing Nick Singleton in? Well, and that, by the way, that was definitely the case with Micah Parsons, where he led the, you know, I don't, you know, he led the team in okay, tackles. I, I, I said Arrington. I apologize. I meant Micah Parsons. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely the case with Micah Parsons. And um, I think Kayvon Lee probably starts. But I don't think, you know, their first games against Purdue, I don't think they're going to hesitate to have Singleton in the game. And if he's producing, Ride him. You know, the difference between Singleton and Kayvon Lee or even Katron Allen is that Singleton can go take it the distance. Singleton can give you the big plays that you got from Saquon Barkley and from Miles Sanders. And it's hard to go the length of the field. You know, it's hard to sustain drives, especially in college football. One penalty here, one missed assignment there, one bad throw there. It's a lot easier if your running back goes 50 yards or 60 yards to the house. And I think that, you know, that's probably why one reason why Singleton will end up getting more snaps than than people imagine. Because I think that they just they realize uh, that 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 possibility is there. Uh, my quick bold prediction, Keevon Lee gets the first two series, Nick Singleton gets the third, and we realize he can't take him off the field. Real quickly, let's hit the receivers, the tight ends, and the wide receivers. You mentioned Mitchell Tinsley in for Jahan Dodson. Uh, let me ask real quick, do you, do you expect more use of the tight ends this year? I do. I do. And um, I, don't, I, I was disappointed in those guys last year. I thought that they they played very well in 2020 when they were younger. I thought that was a group that took a step back, Jim, and they need to play better, and I think they will. There's a lot of ability there with Theo Johnson, Brenton Strange, Tyler Warren that Penn State needs to utilize. I do think the tight ends will be more involved, and I think they should. Uh, the receivers I feel pretty good about. Tinsley, Lambert Smith, Parker Washington – I don't think they have a Dotson, but I think they might be more well-rounded this year. 
Very good, Ross. That's going to have to be it for the offense. We'll do the defense next week, but in quarter number three, we'll take your questions, and we're going to ask Ross. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. We specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. I'm with Ross Tucker. It's quarter number three. That means it's time for Ask Ross. This is where we'll take your questions for Ross. Best question wins the KSN Polo. If you want to submit a question for Ross, download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask Ross button, and off you go. Ross, before we get to the first question, I've got an email I want to read to you. I don't know if you remember. We had a a question last week from Lindsay, who was our winner. And, I well, I don't want to be politically incorrect here, but I'm assuming now Lindsay is a woman. And here's what she wrote. Hey, Jim, awesome news that uh, we won. I was so excited when I listened to the segment. But, of course, I was inspired by Ross's willingness to trade in his watch so he could get a watch for his wife. So, in the spirit of that, I want to do the same for my husband, and I want to get the shirt for him. How about that, Ross? Not only is... Do we have a female listener there who won? She was inspired by you and your story of giving up your wonderful watch, trading it in for a watch for your wife. She was inspired by that. Well, so I I really appreciate that, and that's awesome. I think I I should note 
um, if I'm being honest, that I don't like watches. I don't wear watches. So it was not being um, chivalrous of me. I was not being magnanimous. <laughs> I was being, um, I don't think thrifty is the right word. I was being efficient. It, it was a cost-effective gift. Yeah, ex- I mean, it just made sense. I, I was being logical. There you go. And, Ross, is there anything more romantic in the world than being logical? Um, yeah, there's a lot of things that are more <laughs> romantic than being logical, but being logical is what my specialty is, I guess. <laughs> All right, let's get started. Let's start with uh, Jim from Ramey, PA. Ramey, Ramey, I'm not sure. Do you know which it is, Ross? It's R-A-M-E-Y. Um, I think it's Ramey, but I'm not sure. Okay, let's go with that. Jim says, I've been listening to you for years and always enjoy the banter and insight. First time sending in a question. Kirk Shiraka spent one year at Penn State and was undoubtedly given the keys to the kingdom and whatever secrets may lie within. He was then sent packing back to Minnesota. Shiraka, on the other hand, must have shared his playbook, preparation, and notes with Penn State also. Who gains more of an advantage from this and how worried should Penn State fans be? Remember, Shiraka dissected Penn State three years ago. Yeah, I, I I don't think it's that big a deal either way. Um, I think, you know, Penn State has a new defensive coordinator. So there's not a lot of overlap there for Manny Diaz with Shiraka. Um, I think you could argue Shiraka has a small edge with, you know, his knowledge of Sean Clifford, maybe. But... That's really about it. I think it's a fair question. I think it's a good question. I just think, you know, things change so much and things go so fast that I just don't think if it was last year, I think that'd be a lot different. But since it was two years ago, it it makes it so it's really not really not that big deal. It's really not. Um I don't think it's much of an edge, if any, to either side. I think that's a good point that there's a new defensive coordinator at Penn State. Uh, Ross, we can't get through an Ask Ross segment without a food question. Mike from Phoenix, Arizona says, Thank you for the show. I listen every week. It helps me feel closer to home, which is State College. Ross, I need you to settle dispute between my sister-in-law, originally from the Philly area, and I. She thinks it's acceptable to put American cheese on a Philly cheesesteak. In my opinion, this is unacceptable. I'm strictly provolone or cheese whiz. What say you? Yeah, I'm with his sister. I am with his sister. I'm a big fan, a big believer in American cheese. So I'm with his sister. I, I, I would never say it's the wrong thing to put American cheese on something. So um, I got to go with his sister and say it is acceptable. I understand, you know, 
cheese whiz and the provolone are more traditional, but go with what you like. Go with what tastes best to you. And certainly it feels like for a lot of people, American cheese is my favorite cheese, what I grew up on. So um, I, I'm a believer in, in the American cheese as well. Ross, far be it from me to tell anyone what they should or should not eat. I mean, I'm a guy who likes ketchup on my hot dog, which a lot of people think is sacrilegious. However, with that said, having spent about 15 years of my life in Philadelphia, American cheese on a cheesesteak is wrong. Mike, you were correct. Cheese Whiz or provolone is the only way to do it with a cheesesteak. Or at least it's the correct way, okay? Ross, you can put your American cheese on. You could be wrong. I'm going to allow that. However, the right way is provolone or, or cheese whiz. Um, let's go with Jared in Talmadge, Ohio, who says, Do you have any concern about the new Mike linebackers going into the Auburn game versus Tank Bigsby? considering they may play limited snaps in the opener versus a Jeff Brom offense who, frankly, doesn't run the ball? Um, that's interesting. Uh, I think in general, um, I think in general, there's some concern about the middle linebackers, whoever that ends up being, Elsden or King. I think it's fair to say there's some concern and that there should be. But um, I don't know that it's any more pronounced against Auburn. I mean, I think Elsden in particular, I think, is pretty good against the run. I think King might be as well. I mean, those guys might be more of a concern against a throwing offense like Purdue, although they might not even be on the field that much because Penn State might spend so much time in nickel. So I think in general, when you have someone in a position that, that hasn't played very much, they're always a concern, and, and they should be until proven otherwise. But it sounded like Penn State was feeling pretty good about those guys in the spring based on some of the reports. Is there any concern, Ross, with um, Jonathan Sutherland going from safety to linebacker? In a sense, that's a fifth defensive back in the game. Uh, it's almost like a, their standard defense will be a nickel defense. I'm wondering if that should be the bigger concern about a team that's going to be run heavy, like we saw with Illinois last year or Michigan. Um, well, I think they'll test him. You know, I, I think that they'll try to run at him. I think that they'll try to be physical with him because he is undersized. Um, so I do think they'll test him in that role. But, you know, he's out on the slot so much. He's shown a willingness to be physical. I think he's going to end up uh, being just fine. I really do. Um, I'm sure they'll try some things to try to get him in a bad spot. Um, but I, I think he'll end up being fine. Okay, let's go to Stan in Franklin, Tennessee. He says, Ross, let's start with the food question first. What's your favorite hamburger joint and what toppings do you prefer? Here's my football question. In the changing college football landscape, what are the top inducements in influencing recruits? Here's his checklist. He says in no particular order, success sending players to the NFL, playing early, playing for a championship, NIL, 
relationship with coaches, academics, and then finally the culture, campus, town, that type of thing? Well, it it changes um, based on the person. Um, you know, some families really prioritize academics. The thing I found, Jim, is that everybody says they prioritize academics, but then their actions a lot of times speak louder than words, right? I mean, everybody pays the academic portion of it lip service, but how many of them actually prioritize it, right? Like, if all these kids prioritize academics as much as they say they do, well, then why don't more of them go to Vanderbilt and Northwestern? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, um, I think, you know, the allure of playing for a blue blood football program and still going to a good school can be intoxicating. And I don't blame them. You know, I mean, if Penn State offered me a scholarship, that's probably where I would have gone, even though I had better academic opportunities, because you could still go to Penn State, get a great education, um, but then be able to play at Beaver Stadium and in front of the big crowd or whatever. I think it's a changing landscape. I think the priority is, um, for the most part, on going to be on NIL. For some people, it's location. Um, but I, I, I think for a lot of people, it's um, ability to, to go to the NFL. You know, that that's still probably a priority is their chance at the NFL. But I think with every passing year, the NIL is going to be more and more uh, significant, more and more prominent. And favorite topics on the Hamburg? Oh, geez, I forget. These people ask so many questions. Um, uh, American cheese, for sure. Of course. <laughs> um, bacon. I like bacon. I like egg. I like egg on a burger. Um, I can go with some avocado on a burger. Um, yeah, I think those are kind of my staples. Yeah, I would go. I would go... That right. I like a good bacon cheeseburger. Well, Ross, as um, would it surprise you that me, the guy who recently had a heart issue, cheese and bacon for, for the bacon cheeseburger is the route I would take. Now, what cheese do you put on your burger? I love. I like American cheese too, so I'd be either American cheese. I'd be good with or. Also, hey, with my last name, Ross, provolone, you got to (laughs) use. No, see, a burger needs American cheese, man, not provolone. Oh, you you can never go wrong with provolone cheese, Ross. All right, that is it for quarter number three and Ask Ross. We'll get a winner named in quarter number four. Stay tuned for that. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. 
featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno. This beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K-Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. I'm Jim Galante along with Andrew P. Shea. Andy, first we've got to take care of business. The winner from our Ask Raw segment is Mike from Phoenix. Mike was smart enough to throw in a food question. I'll throw it at you real quick. Mike wanted to know, is it okay to use American cheese on a Philly cheesesteak as opposed to using provolone or cheese Whiz? Is it all right to use American cheese? No, 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 no. A chicken Andy, cheese that is maybe, but a regular Philly cheesesteak, no. Finally, a right answer from you, Andy. <laughs> Ross Ross got that one wrong. I had to correct him on on the uh, on the question. All right, Andy, let's move on. Uh, the last couple of weeks we've been doing our series on the analysis of the coaching staff. We missed one guy, though, Andy. We missed James Franklin, the head guy, the big cheese, the big enchilada, the big kahuna. Yes. And we're going to correct that omission today. It's going to be all James Franklin this quarter. You know, it, James Franklin is very fascinating to me. He's very polarizing. You have some people that would swear by him, others who want to swear at him. You know, he can't be gone soon enough as far as they're concerned. And both sides are looking at the same thing. And I've been using the glass half full or glass half empty thought for a while here. I'm going to use it here. First question, Andy. Are you glass half full or glass half empty when talking about James Franklin? One or the other. You got to be. I don't want I don't want to hear this nuanced answer. One no, way or the other. No, there is no middle ground. James doesn't have a middle ground with the Penn State fan base. Um, I am glass half full with James Franklin. I am, okay. I am a glass half full guy. 
Now that we got that out of the way, now we could go a little bit more nuanced. Let me start with this. How in the world could you be half full when this guy's had a 500 record the last two seasons, Andy? Right. So I. That's me, I, by the way, playing devil's advocate and representing the glass half empty fan base. So I'm a I'm a glass half empty guy on Saturday uh, coaching decisions. Some of them, when it comes to the football game part inside the lines on Saturday. But why am I a glass half full guy? Because I think he's an outstanding CEO, and I think the way college football and the landscape are shifting, he has. He adapts well with it. I think he is an outstanding CEO. I think he has marketing and messaging brilliance. That's why he's so polarizing. I know as a hum as a person, he's very much an introvert. You would almost like be like, "Are you kidding me?" That is the truth. He, but he is a he is out he is an outstanding CEO, and his marketing and messaging is brilliant. He's a good human being. He cares about people. And relationships matter to him. And I'm talking relationships with his players and their family. They're not transactional. And I think, you know, you get that sometimes in college football where the value proposition of the relationship between the, you know, the, the player and the, and the head coach, it's, it's all about what are they doing for each other. It becomes transactional. I don't think it's transactional for James. It really isn't. He is a people person at his core, and he cares about them. His discipline is consistent. That's why I'm a half full guy part of it. The student part matters to him personally. They all college coaches say the student part matters. No, for him it's not a push line. It's not just something he throws around. Like he just doesn't say it. I think it's actually relevant and important to him. I think some of the kids that have transferred, if you listen to them talk about the conversations they had with James about it, you'll understand this a little bit better. But that is why I am a, mostly a glass half full guy. I go glass half full on the Saturday coaching stuff, but there's a good number of people that go that way as well. But there's there's another. You're right about his audience. I, you said it. We didn't really talk about it before. It is either yes or no. There's not a lot of middle ground. And as Bill Parcells used to say, you are what your record says you are. And a lot of the things you brought up, I believe people will agree with you, except that they think that's icing on the cake. That's not the cake itself. The cake itself is you have to win. It doesn't matter how good you are with everything else. If your team finishes 2-10, and ten, you're not going to keep your job. And at Penn State, the standards are a little higher than 2-10. and ten. And over the last two years, I am going to make some excuses for them. In the COVID season, just everything went downhill. You lose, you know, uh, Journey Brown, Micah Parsons. First series, you lose your best running back, Noah Kane, And you absolutely outplay Indiana and, and lose the game. A game you win nine out of ten times. You found a way to lose it. And Ohio State, the following week, all of a sudden you're 0-2 and essentially the season's over. Last year, again, this is a team that was 5-0, and ranked in the top five, kicking Iowa's behind until Sean Clifford got hurt. Now, you could be critical they didn't have a backup prepared, but 
there was a lot of promise going on there last year un until that point where Clifford got hurt. So is this is it fair to use these last two seasons to kind of forget about the fact that the prior four years he had four top 20 teams and three top 10 teams along with a Big Ten championship? So you can't forget about that, but college football is, let's, I mean, let's call it what it is, Jimmy. It's what have you done for me lately, right? That's, that, James knows that every, you know, that is what the fan base looks like. And, and everything you talked about in 2020 and sort of a little bit of it led into 2021, it, it all centers on a little bit on Sean Clifford in 2020, he he lost his way and struggled under a, a, another new offensive coordinator in Kirk Sharaka. They did not gel or mesh in any way, shape, or form, and Clifford was terrible. He's not going to deny that. He knows that. That was a big part of that equation as well. In 2021, he got hurt. So a lot, a good bit of what this has centered around is the performance and, and the ability to perform from being injured of Sean Clifford. So... That is part of what that's all. That is part of what happened in in, in 11, 11 I go deeper and say inherently the biggest problem that James has had as Penn State's head coach since he took over is the sort of development or the ability to produce of the offensive line. It's always been sort of that thing that's kind of stuck in him, and it continued to rear its ugly head the last two years. That was the biggest football reason. They were, <coughs> excuse me, 11 and 11 the last two seasons. And the other thing about last year, yes, they were 5-0, and ranked top five. They won two of their last eight games. They fell off a cliff. They lost four of those games by four or fewer points. Close games, winning and losing close games has not been sort of a, you know, a, a strong suit for James. He's kind of lost more of those close games than he's won. That is the that is sort of an undertow of a bugaboo if you look at his career in a whole. Look at games decided by a touchdown or less. I didn't go back and evaluate his record, but we know following Penn State as close as we have, they lose a couple more they lose a little bit more of those than they actually win. To me, that is another part of this equation. Andy, you kind of alluded to it with that last statement. My my issue is losing games that he shouldn't or even you know Pitt, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan State a couple times. He should not have lost those games. He had the better team. Throw in those couple Ohio State games where you led by a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter and found a way to lose. I think it's fair to be critical of him, you know, for those games. So, you know, it was he was close in a lot of those seasons and a lot of those individual games. Let's look forward a little bit, Andy. The fact is, he has been 500 over the last two seasons. He's got a real nice contract. It would be hard to get rid of him. However, is there not some heat on him for this season? Because a third mediocre season in a row, Kitchen's going to get awful hot. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it. I think he's putting pressure on himself, too. I really think he is. I mean... He has something to prove to this fan base this year, right? Like, okay, you know, the first five or six years were not an accident. You know, he he won 
nine games at Vanderbilt twice. That's not an accident. But, you know, you can't be a – is he – here's my question to you, Jimmy. Is, J, is James Franklin a guy who runs a 500 football program? Is he a 500 football coach in your mind? Is that what you, think of, what you think of James? No, I actually I do think the last two seasons were the outliers. I don't think that's the case, and I don't think the talent this season is a 500 talent season. That's why the pressure's on him, not necessarily in, okay, it's going to get a little hot, but they're going to have a hard time getting rid of him. We know you've spoken about that. But production-wise, he has something to prove to this fan base. And this season, big time, because he's not general, whether you like him or dislike him, and across college football, he is not regarded as a 500 coach. Right now, he is in charge of a fairly mediocre 500 football program. You have to change that on the field. doesn't matter how good of a CEO, how good your recruiting class is, how little discipline problems you have. Yes, that's all important. But what really matters is what is the, the result at the end of the day on Saturday. You have a tough schedule ahead of you. You have a lot to prove in 2022 to this fan base and to, you know, sort of the players themselves that we can be as good as we think we are. What does he need to do this season for the fan base to be satisfied? Beat Michigan or Ohio State. That start, it starts right there. Some would stop and go one higher and say, beat Ohio State. I say where Michigan ascended to in very rapid fashion, that win one of those games. Beat Michigan or Ohio State and win three out of the five or three out of the four close football games. Those are two huge keys for me to sort of turn the tide for this program. Andy, I don't think they have to beat the Michigan and or Ohio State if they win the rest of them. If he can get to nine or even ten wins, I think that will be enough. Andy, that is it for the show. As always, it goes very fast. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind we are start your journey today order online at whypennstate.com hi this is dustin hawkinsmith from the keystone sports network for the best penn state football analysis and commentary go to keystonesportsnetwork.com the rest of the ksn team and i will bring you game reviews player evaluation recruiting news and plenty more you may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits that's keystonesportsnetwork.com you can also take keystone sports network with you go to your app store and download keystone sports for your mobile device 
For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000.